Greetings team Ajulam. Karibuni sana tena. So now we are here about to begin today. Today we are beginning a new series that we are calling Hearing and Obeying God's Voice. If you remember from the last episode of the work series, which was the episode on rest, what we talked about was the fact that we are able to work from a place of rest. And working from a place of rest comes from us being able to hear what the Spirit is saying and to obey. Basically to allow ourselves to be led by the Spirit of God. That this is how we operate from a place of rest. is through us allowing ourselves to be led by the Holy Spirit. And so today, we're going to start another, again, mini-series. Um, it's only mini because most of our series are like so many episodes. But it's going to be a short series where we're going to talk about hearing and obeying God's voice. Amen. And today is our first episode of this series. Now, one of the things that's important for us is also just one. And, and I, I said this in, 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 in that last episode is the fact that us being able to hear and follow what it is that God is saying to us is major, major keys. This is huge. This is exactly the epitome of how it is that we're supposed to live our lives in Christ. It is by us, literally, when we come and we say that we are saying that Jesus is Lord of our lives, is that we are submitting ourselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And that submission to his Lordship is really us submitting us ourselves to be led by him. Right? It is us being submitting ourselves to his leadership, to his lordship. And for us to be able to be led, it requires us to be able to hear and obey. It's one thing to hear, it's also another thing to obey. And that's the thing that I want us to be able to talk about. Because in Romans 8.14, it tells us, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. This is how we manifest our adoption that we have received through Christ Jesus. It is us through us being led by the Spirit of God. God wants to reveal His glory in us. This does not come from us following our own whims and our own you know, paths. It comes from us actively choosing to follow after the leading of the Holy Spirit. And not only that, all creation, everything, all creation is waiting for us to be able to get into our position as children of God. For us to be able to understand our position as children of God, that what it means for us to be children of God is that we are led by the Holy Spirit. For all creation, like it says in Romans 8:19, waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. The children of God, how we are able to fully manifest that adoption that we have received is through us allowing ourselves to be led by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen! And so, as we begin this series, I want us to look at a certain portion of scripture um, in 1 Kings 19 from verse 1 to 13, which is going to teach us about hearing God's voice and discerning his voice. So this is where we're going to start off this series, is it through 1 Kings 19 from verse 1 to 13. Okay? Now, I want us to read that. 1 Kings 19 from verse 1 to 13. Let me read. 
Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with a sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like, the, like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head, with some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of hot water a jar of water he ate and drank and then lay down again the angel of the lord came back a second time and touched him and said get up and eat for the journey is too much for you so he got up and ate and drank strengthened by that food he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached horeb the mountain of god there he went into a cave and spent the night and the word of the lord came to him what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Woo! This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, one of the things that you see in 1 Kings the previous chapter 18 is that what had happened here is that Elijah who was an incredibly great prophet in the Old Testament and incredibly was one of the major prophets these minor prophets and major prophets Elijah was one of the major prophets and what had happened in 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 in, in first Kings um, 18 is that uh, um, Elijah had performed an incredible miracle, right? Now, what had happened is that the context around this is that Israel at this point in time had turned away from the Lord, right? And what they were doing is that now that they had turned away from the Lord, that they had killed all the prophets and what Elijah was, was, was the only prophet that was left. And now what they were doing was worshipping uh, a, a false god called Baal, right? So they were worshipping this god called, this, this uh, false god called Baal, Right? And Baal had a bunch of prophets, right? And so what, what, what Elijah does is, is that in order to be able to turn the hearts of the people back to the living God, what he does is that he challenges the prophets of Baal. And what he says to them is, let's do this. Let's, let's do a challenge. Let's set up some wood. Let's place a sacrifice on that wood. Let's place, place a bull on that wood. And let us call fire from heaven. Right now, he says to the prophets of Baal, "You guys go and call upon Baal to send fire upon this this sacrifice." Right, and I will call on my God to send fire. Now, the God that answers by fire, He is God. That is the true God. And so, this He does in front of the people to be able to demonstrate to the people who the true living God was. 
right? Is it Baal or is it the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Sour. And so he does this thing, right? Where he tells them, you call on the name of your God and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God, right? Now, the prophets of Baal go first and they are just there the whole day just dancing, yeah? Just here dancing, calling upon, calling upon the fire, calling upon the fire. And Elijah starts to mock these guys. He's like, come on, man. Come on, you guys, you're not calling hard enough. These guys are just, they are slashing themselves, calling upon Baal to send fire. Unfortunately, because Baal is a false god, no fire is sent. Right? And then after they are done, now Elijah is like, okay, you're, you're done, you're done. So Elijah comes and he's just like, okay, so my turn. And at this point in time, Elijah goes, he even starts to flex. <laughs> he's like, even in fact, you put water, put water around this thing, right? So that it's just like he's, he starts doing all these things just to increase his flex. And then what he does is that he prays and calls for God to be able to send fire. And what God does is that he sends fire onto the sacrifice. And all of a sudden it's like, poof, that sacrifice is consumed by the fire, including all the water that is around it. And the thing that happens is this, is that when the people saw it, it says that they fell prostrate and cried, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And what happens after that is that Elijah then proceeds to kill all the prophets of Baal. He commands the people to slaughter them and basically they annihilate all the prophets of Baal, all of them, whom at this point in time, these prophets uh, and, and the worship of Baal was being done not only by the king of Israel, Ahab, but also by his wife Jezebel, who is the one who, was, who introduced the worship of the, this, this Baal worship, right? And so that's what happens. So he murders all these guys. They're all like, you know, killed. And not only that, in this story is that there has been a famine on the land because of all the stuff that's going on in Israel. There's been a famine for three years and there has been no rain. And at the very end in chapter 18, um, after killing the prophets of Baal, uh, Elijah prays and what happens is that rain starts to pour right so there's a couple of things that have just happened there's this whole miracle around like the fire that comes from heaven not only did the fire come from heaven but also the rain fell from heaven on a land that has been experiencing severe famine for about three years all right and so the thing is, is that this had been an incredible day for Elijah. I mean, this was just like one of those days where it's just like, my goodness, fire from heaven, rain, all these things, just like, my goodness, how amazing has the Lord revealed himself on this specific day through Elijah, right? What mighty works have been done. So this is the whole backdrop of this whole, where we, where we come in from uh, chapter 19, right? So in chapter 19 begins with Elijah receiving a threat from Ahab's wife, King Ahab, Jezebel, which completely freaks him out, right? It says that he ran for his life, right? This guy who has just seen fire come from heaven and rain pour after three years of no rain, this mighty man of God, when he receives this message from Jezebel telling him, like, today, today you will die. He was afraid and ran for his life. It says that he ran away and prayed that he might die. And he says to the Lord, I've had enough, Lord. I've had enough.
had enough. You know, I, I don't know about you, but I, you know, for me, every time I read this story, I completely resonate with Elijah. Where there are times in your life where you're just here, you're like doing all these things and you've seen these great exploits that the Lord has done, all these amazing things that he's doing for his people and all that stuff. And you're seeing all these things happen. And then the next moment, something happens that completely discourages you, completely discourages you. I can, I, I can tell you many a time where I've experienced this. And so I completely resonate with where Elijah is, where he's just there like, man, after all this stuff that I've done, man, I'm just tired. I'm tired of having to be, to receive threats for my life. I'm tired of, of, of the fact that, you know, why, why does she want to kill me? I've just here done all these things. It's just like, man, I am tired of doing this work, right? And so... The thing that I love most about this whole story is just how the Lord really cares for Elijah, right? And in this place of where he's in deep despair, he sends an angel to feed him. You know what I'm saying? The one thing that you never want to happen when you're frustrated is to be hungry. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that's always the worst thing. It's just like, bro, first let's deal with the hunger <laughs> before now we start dealing with the thing that's actually really frustrating you. And so the thing that's so beautiful is how the Lord literally begins to care for Elijah. And he tells the guy, he sends an angel to, f to feed him and to give him some water, Right? And that's what he does. He just continues to feed Elijah, continues to give him water, just so that he can be physically strengthened, right? Because it says that the journey ahead is too much for him. And so God is like, you know, first let's just, you know, comfort you first. So he comforts Elijah, strengthens him. And then now what happens is that Elijah now begins, now has enough strength where it says for 40 days he begins to now walk towards Horeb, the mountain of God. And the thing that is so interesting at Horeb, the mountain of God, is that something very interesting happens while he's there, right? It says that the word of the Lord came to Elijah asking him while he was at Horeb, what are you doing here, Elijah? And, he re and what Elijah does is he replies, I have been very zealous for the Lord Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Then the Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then it says, Then a great powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And, the, and after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake comes a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mountain of the cave. So I need you to just envision this, right? There's a whole wind that comes the mountains, think about the mountains being shattered by these rocks. Through, because of this wind, things are being shattered in the mountain. But it says that the Lord was not in the mountain. Remember, Elijah had been told that you're going to come and uh, God is about to pass by here. Right? So you'd naturally assume that when the wind, uh, when this powerful wind comes, that's the Lord. You naturally assume that when the earthquake came, that that's the Lord who is passing by. Right? Not only that... You'd assume that because of this fire that, is, that, 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 that comes as well, that that is where the Lord is. But instead, what we find is that the Lord was not in these visibly dramatic things that happened. These dramatic things that are happening 
is not where the Lord is. It says that after all these things came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah had that whisper, he knew. He knew that is the Lord. That now I am in the manifest presence of the Lord when he had the whisper. Right? So in all these other dramatic things that are happening, the Lord is not in those things. The Lord is not in the gentle whisper. He's not in any of those things. Right? Now, the thing is, if you remember, and I need you to remember this because I, I, this is all really important, to understand that Elijah had already been told that God is about to pass by. Right? And so he was able to know, right? That he did, if you think about it, like Elijah did not react when the wind came. He did not react when the earthquake came. He did not react when the fire came. But the time when he reacts, the time when he reacts is when he hears that still small voice, that gentle whisper. And that's when he covers his face, knowing that that still small voice is when the Lord had literally appeared to him. That still small voice, a gentle whispering voice, a calm voice, that is when he knew that this is the Lord. You know, in Exodus 20, one of the things that happens is that Exodus 20 is when Moses goes up to the mountain, uh, Mount Sinai, to be able to receive the Ten Commandments and to receive the law. And one of the things that happens is that, actually, interesting enough, is that Mount Sinai and Horeb are the same mountain, right? Different name, but it's the same mountain. And at the same time, when you told someone Mount Horeb or you said Mount Sinai, you'd be talking about the same mountain. Right. And so what happens in Exodus 20 is this, is that this very mountain that Elijah is on is the same mountain that Moses goes up to to be able to speak to God. And it says in verse 18, right, in Exodus 20 and verse 18, it says, Now all the people witnessed the thunderings and the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. Then they said to Moses, you speak with us and we will hear, but let, let not God speak with us lest we die. And Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has not come to test you, and that his fear may be before you, so that you may not sin. So the people stood afar off, but Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. And so the thing that is so interesting is that I want you to visualize this, is that in this mountain, the children of Israel are at the foot of the mountain and God is at the top of the mountain, right? But the thing is, at the foot of the mountain, what the people are seeing is thunderstorms, lightning, trumpet sounds, smoking mountain. I mean, it is so dramatic that when these guys who are at the foot of the mountain, when they are looking up and they are like, my gosh, this whole thing of when they, when they, for them, when they are there, it's just like, I can't go into the God's presence. This is just lightning, thunderstorms and whatever. But the thing that is so interesting when you read Exodus 20, that in as much as at the foot of the mountain, the experience of the people is thunderstorms and lightning. Moses, who is at the top of the mountain, when he is at the top of the mountain, his experience of God is not thunderstorms and lightning. When he is at the top of the mountain, what he is hearing is God's voice. God is speaking with Moses at the top of the mountain. But at the foot of the mountain, when these people are looking up, all they see is thunderstorms, lightning, trumpet sounds, a smoking mountain. And you can see the key difference here that Moses, who is at the top of the mountain, is hearing God's voice. But the people who are at the foot of the mountain, all they see 
as the expression of God's presence is thunderstorms, lightning, and smoke. Right? And the thing that's so interesting, even in John 12, in the New Testament, a similar, things happen, a similar thing happens where God speaks. He speaks and what the people hear is thunder. <laughs> so then the people, when they're around, they're just like, I, I had thunder. Right? But for Jesus, he hears a voice. All right? And you know, the thing that's so interesting is when you think about how whenever most movies, how they depict God's voice, right? Or the presence of God, it's often like this deep, powerful, thundering voice, right? When God is speaking, right? Like whenever we imagine God speaking, it's most probably quite dramatic in our minds, right? In fact, most times when we think of God doing anything, we often imagine it being through some dramatic revelation or manifestation, right? When we think of God at work, we, you know, we, or, or at work in regards to anything, we're waiting for a dramatic miracle, a grand manifestation of his presence. When we think of God's presence, we think of the dramatic, being slain in the spirit. You know, like a feeling, this feeling that I feel, you know, I feel the presence of God in this place. Hallelujah. It's so dramatic. It's so grand that's how when we think of god's presence when we think of god speaking but the thing that's interesting is that when we look at the story of elijah god was not in the dramatic manifestations when you look at the story of moses at the top is that literally at the foot of the mountain that these people were far from the presence of God. And when they were far from the presence of God, the manifestation of his presence was a manifestation that was dramatic and fearful. But Moses, who was close to God, was hearing God's voice. The small voice, the still small voice, the gentle whisper. This is what Elijah is experiencing. That it wasn't in the dramatic manifestations where God was. It was in the gentle voice, the still small voice, the gentle whisper. Who would ever imagine that this is where God would reveal himself? Because that's not how we understand it. Whenever we think of God, we always think of like thunderstorms and lightning. But then here he is where he reveals himself in the most undramatic way. <laughs> right? In the most undramatic way. With a still, small voice. And yet, time and time again, we see God choose to reveal himself in this way. This is the same thing that was the same thing that happened in the case of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. The Israelites were waiting for a grand Messiah. One who would come with fire, thundering and lightning. He would come with trumpet sounds. And all of a sudden the Messiah would come and he would take over the Roman Empire and turn it around and turn everything into the hands of Israel. This is how they had imagined that the Messiah would come. But then now here is this Kagai, right? Here is this Kagai who comes, right? Born in a manger, a lowly man who was in no way the glorious expectation of the Messiah that they were expecting. Part of the reason why they missed him was because he was not what they expected. They were expecting something more glorious, glorious a more dramatic entrance. Jesus was the literal manifestation of a gentle whisper, a still small voice, the thing that you just would not expect that is the way God would reveal himself. It wasn't that 
the way we expect is the grand thunderstorms lightning you know that's why whenever you do something you're like you know that thing where it's like you do something then you people will tell you where my guy you'll be struck by lightning (laughs) you know what i'm saying that's what we're waiting for you you do something you're just looking just like where you'll be struck by lightning and here's the thing for many of us the reason why we constantly miss god's voice the reason we are unable to discern his voice is because we are waiting for a dramatic manifestation of god's voice a dramatic manifestation of his presence you're waiting for that loud dramatic voice from heaven that tells you susan go to neri and speak to peter and then thunderstorms and lightning you're like the lord has spoken to me and that's what the lord said we are unable to discern God at, at work, Him working on something because we are looking for signs and wonders. We cannot see God at work in our lives or in the lives of others. We cannot see God at work in any situation because we believe that unless it is accompanied with dramatic revelations or manifestation, then God isn't at work. We cannot discern God's work in our lives because we are sold to the dramatic, the thunder, the lightning, the earthquakes, the fire. And so what happens is we often get frustrated in life because we are looking for the God who manifests himself in the dramatic revelations and manifestations and are blind to the God who manifests himself in the gentle whisper. We don't know the gentle whisper God. Now, the thing that I want to, I'm saying about all this and the reason why I'm saying all these things, the reason why I talked about Elijah, the reason why I'm talking about Moses at the top of the mountain and and at the foot of the mountain, when the people look, they see thunderstorms and lightning. But when Moses is in God's presence, when Moses is in God's presence, he hears his voice. Same thing with Elijah. That as all these things are happening, that it is when the gentle whisper comes that he knows that's God. That's God. I want to suggest to you today that the reason we are sold more to the dramatic and less the gentle whisper is because we lack intimacy with God. Like I told you in Exodus 20, the, these Israelites were at the foot of the mountain and what they saw was thunder and lightning. But Moses was at the top of the mountain. What he heard was the voice of God. Elijah, a man who had a relationship with God, knew that God wasn't in the fire, in the earthquake, in the thunderstorms. But when he heard the gentle whisper, he knew that's where God was. He knew that was God's voice. And the thing that is so interesting about a gentle whisper, most times when you're whispering, it is because you are close to someone. And at the time when you are shouting, it is because the person is far off. The thunderstorms and lightning and the grand manifestations of God Like it says even with signs and wonders. Those are for unbelievers. The grand manifestations are for those who are far off. But those who are near is a gentle whisper. Intimacy with God. 
is how we hear God's voice. I want to give you an example, like something that just always, when I think about it, in terms of, you know, they're, 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 so, so let's assume that there are two people, right? One person is on the road, and they, I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity of seeing the president's motorcade pass by, right? It's quite dramatic. <laughs> Usually, like, they stop the traffic for, like, 30, 40 minutes, right? And then after that, it's like, then you start seeing these cars. All of a sudden, there's some cars that come, <laughs> passing. Quickly, quickly. So you, as you're standing on the side of the road, seeing all these cars passing by, you're like, wow, this is amazing. So you see all these cars passing by, then all of a sudden, after you see the cars passing by, then you see the Prados, then after you see the Prados, you see the Mercedes, which says President Escort, passing. Then after the President Escort that you see passing, then what do you see after that? You see the riders, then after you see the riders, you see more Mercedes, then somewhere in between. In, in usually now what they do is the diamond formation where you probably won't even see the limo but it's somewhere in the middle right it's somewhere in the middle of that so then you see all those things passing so you see them all passing by and it's just like such a dramatic manifestation of power right when you see this thing happening and so what would happen is you standing by the side of the road i can imagine you probably later on would go meet up with some homies and be like i saw the president today I saw the president. I saw him passing. <laughs> I saw the president. I saw him today. Because you saw his motorcade and you saw all these things. You saw this grand manifestation of his power. But then here's another scenario to think about. Then there's the flip side. So there's that guy who watches the motorcade. Then there's another guy, possibly let's say the president's child, who is inside the limousine. Who's inside the limousine with the president completely different experience you on the outside <laughs> you're so hype about seeing this motorcade all these cars the power ah, passing by chua, 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 chua. right and you're so excited about that then there's the guy who is inside the limo who is literally talking to the president who happens to be his father these are completely different experiences of the same thing there's one guy on the outside, and there's another guy who is on the inside, right? And this is what happens to the Israelites. For them, because they're at the foot of the mountain, what they see is thunderstorms and lightning. The manifestation of the, this is the, what they're seeing is the motorcade. <laughs> they're seeing the motorcade. They're just here because it's just like, like how with Elijah, the, 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 the wind comes, but he's not in the wind. The fire comes, but it's not in the fire. The earthquake comes, but it's not in the earthquake. It's literally like the motorcade. It's like the Prado's passing. This is basically where it says like he's been told God is about to pass by here. Right? That's what Elijah was told. God is about to pass by here. And Elijah was not concerned about the motorcade. What he is able to understand and to discern is that he's like, this is God. When he hears the gentle whisper, the still small voice, he's like, that's God. And that's when he covers himself and he's just like in preparation to be able to hear from the king of heaven and earth himself. When you are close to someone, they don't need to shout. A gentle voice is all that is needed. It is those who are far off that need to be shouted at. Now, if the only way in which God manifests himself to you is through the dramatic revelation or manifestation, if the only way through which you expect God to manifest himself to you is through the dramatic, I want to suggest to you 
that it is a representation of a lack of intimacy with God. Here's the thing that I want us to be able to understand as we start this series is that God's voice is learned through spending time with him. A child is able to learn the voice of their parent because of spending time in their presence. Through spending time with their parents, the child is able to know and they're able to now understand and discern like, ah, that's dad, that's mom. Yeah, they go from being able to not only just know and dis- know their parents' voice, then they're able to understand what their parent is saying. Think about the trajectory of a child. Like, they're able to first like, now be like, okay, that voice, sound, that voice is mom, that voice is dad, right? And then after that, as they grow in their understanding, then now all of a sudden they're now able to understand the things that their parents are saying, the words that their parents are being able to speak to them. Then they're able to understand that and they're growing in that. They're like, oh, okay, cool. Now I'm able to understand. And then now they literally get to a place that as they continue to grow, now not only are they able to hear and to understand, they're also even able to know their parents' intention even before they speak, where now all of a sudden, literally, and if you know those things where it's like uh, you do something, and then your, your, your mother looks across the room and she just gives you like a look. <laughs> she ain't got to say nothing, but you know exactly what she's saying to you. You get what I'm saying? Like It's like there's no language that's being communicated here, but you know exactly the intention. And in fact, even an even greater place is where someone would come and the, you'd be able to look at a situation and be like, my mom wouldn't like this. Or my dad wouldn't like this situation here. This is something that is learned because you have spent time with this person. You have spent time in their presence. And through spending time with them, you have nurtured an ability to be able to understand and to discern their voice. To discern their intention. To discern what it is that they would do and what they wouldn't do. Knowing and discerning God's voice is not a magic trick. It is an ability. It's not an ability that is given to people who are like super spiritual. Like now it's just like that guy is different. No, it is an ability that is nurtured through time spent with him. It is through that intimacy that we are able to develop this ability to hear and discern his voice. Prior to Elijah hearing the still small, small voice, right? It says, this is now before he even goes to, to hear this still small voice. It says that he set off on our journey to Horeb, the mountain of God. Now, you remember what I said to you earlier, that Horeb is the same mountain as Mount Sinai. The, more, the, the mountain that Moses went up to to get the Ten Commandments, right? But the thing that's so interesting is that the word Horeb literally means desert. The word Horeb means desert. The thing about deserts is that deserts are lonely places, desolate places, quiet places. And so Elijah had God's voice in an isolated, quiet place. In fact, he was in Horeb, the mountain, and inside a cave. And Horeb means desert, a lonely place. Here's the thing that is so interesting. In Luke 5.16, it says of Jesus that he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. In the NIV, it says, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Another version says, but he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Another version, but Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Jesus went to the wilderness. He went to lonely places, desolate places. He went there to pray. He went to, quote-unquote, Horeb, to hear 
what his father had for him. The same thing that Moses did when he went up Mount Sinai. He went there to hear what it is that God wanted to say to him. For Elijah, he walked 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb to meet with God. To the Horeb, the desert, he went to the wilderness to meet with God. So Moses climbs a mountain. Elijah walks 40 days, 40 nights, and Jesus withdrew himself into the wilderness to pray. The thing that is interesting about all these things is that these are all acts of intention. They intentionally went to lonely places to speak with God. And here is the thing for us, that unless we intentionally seek to spend time with God, we will forever be those who are always wondering what God's voice sounds like. Wondering, is it a thunder? Is it lightning? Is it... We will be those guys. We will forever be those who, every so often, what we see is dramatic manifestations, but never hearing the still small voice. We will forever be wondering, you know, like whenever you hear people saying, you hear me saying, you know, God spoke to me the other day, and you'll be like, how does God speak? How is it that you're able to understand what God, when, when God is saying, when God is saying something to you? Intimacy with God is not something that just comes naturally. It comes with intention. We draw near to God and he will draw near to us. You know what? There's a time when um, I remember I was doing a series. I don't remember what series it was. But at the very end of the series, there was a Q&A which we did. And part of the Q&A, there was this guy who stood up and he spoke and he's asked a question. And he asked me, he's like, how are you able to know when God, like, so there's sometimes, how do you know when it's, is God speaking to you or it's you just, you know, listening to your own thoughts, right? And to your own things. And so the thing is, is that for most times, whenever we ask that, when, when, when such a question is asked, it's because we want to be able to hear a very technical term around like, God's voice, you know, I want to hear, feel peace. I want to feel, you know, you, whenever God is speaking to you, you'll, you'll be able to do this, this, and this, and you'll be able to, so you won't be able to tick off. But my thing to, to him was this, is that part of being able to discern God's voice comes from spending time with him. When you spend time with your father, when you nurture this ability, when you spend time with him, you are then in yourself nurturing your own ability to be able to hear and discern his voice. That is what happens. That's why you're able to know that that's not me. Or that's not my thoughts. That's God who is speaking to me. This ability comes from spending time with your father. That when we are intentional, when we intentionally go to Horeb, when we intentionally become like Jesus and withdraw to lonely places to speak with our God, when we become like Moses where we intentionally go up the mountain to lonely places to speak with God, when we are intentional about it, what happens is that what we are doing is that we are nurturing within us the ability for us to be able to hear and discern God's voice. And so the thing is, is that if you are not someone who is not intentional about spending time with God, then this series will not work for you. <laughs> this will not be a series that will help you in terms of, this is not a thing where we come and we tick off. This is how God, these are the things God, and these are the things. The, the way in which we are able to nurture that within us 
It is God who nurtures that within us. And that is only nurtured through spending time with him in lonely places. Spending time with your father. Listening. Reading his word. Hearing and praying and speaking with him. This is how you're able to nurture the ability for you to hear and discern his voice. This is nurtured through spending time with him. When we intentionally withdraw ourselves, this is how we do it. And so today, the thing is that I'm imploring you as we begin this series, that I'm not trying to come here and tell you it's a magic trick about how you come and you just, this is the, the things that you take off so that you can be able to be like, yeah, 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 this is how we know that we listen to. This is not, I'm invi- what I'm trying to do today is I'm trying to invite you into an experience. I'm trying to invite you into an experience that allows you to be able to subscribe yourself into being able to nurture the ability for you to hear God's voice. This is not a magic trick. This comes through spending time with your father. It comes through spending time in fellowship with God. That when you make this a priority in your life, you will become one of those who will come and tell people, I heard God say this to me. You will become one of those people that will be able to know and look at a situation and say, God is not there. There are some times where I look at a situation that even before the Lord has to speak to me about it, I can look at a situation and just be like, I don't think God is in that story. This is not something that is a magic. It's not a gift that's super spiritual. This comes from spending time with him where you begin to understand who your father is. You begin to understand his voice and to the extent where you're able to look at a situation and know that's not a place that he would be in because you spend time with your father. You're able to even understand the things that he's, you're like, I there he's not interested in such, this, this kind of things. I know Munga is not there. He's not in that store. And I know that God is over here. And so the thing is, is that this is a thing that if we just look at Jesus alone, the intention that he had, one of the things that I try to do as often as possible, just like Jesus, he often withdrew, is that I often look to withdraw early in the morning to be able to just come and spend time with my father. This is not just so that it's like I can go and get stuff. It is so that I can be able to just live in the presence of God, to know and live and discern his voice is such major keys in all of life. To be able to walk around and know this is where he's at, this is where he's leading you, this is the place that he wants you to go. This is something that is nurtured through spending time with him. This is nurtured through spending time with him. And I pray today that we would be just like Jesus. In Mark 1 35 where it says, now in the morning, Having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place and there he prayed. So don't follow my example, follow the example of Jesus. And I pray that today, that I hope you'll understand that part of how we're able to hear and understand God's voice, how we're able to hear and discern his voice, that this is nurtured through intentional pursuit of lonely places to meet with God through this intentional withdrawal to the Horeb, to Horeb, the mountain of God. I hope that it will be said of you that you're one of those who withdraws to lonely places to spend time with your God, to spend time with your Father. 
This is how you'll be able to learn and to discern his voice. There's no wisdom that I can give you to help you discern God's voice in every situation. That ability is nurtured by God himself. That when you spend time with him, you are nurturing that ability within you to hear, to know, and to discern the voice of your shepherd. Amen? Amen. And so I pray today that you will make a decision to make this a consistent and intentional pursuit in your own life. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much. You're such an amazing father. That when we draw near to you, you draw near to us. Father, I pray that um, you'd put in all of us a desire to, to know you. Everything we have comes from you. Even our desire to know you comes from you. Father, I pray that all those who hear this message, that within themselves that they will ignite a desire to come and spend time with you, to withdraw to lonely places to just spend time with you. That they may learn to hear you, to hear your voice, to discern your voice. And I know you'll teach them because that's what you do. You'll help them learn. And so Father, as we draw near to you, we know that you will draw near to us and we are so grateful. Fill us with your spirit. Give us a desire to know you. Give us a desire to spend time with you. That we can be able to just have um, and always hear a voice behind us saying, this is the way we walk in it. And that we would know it is you. Help us to spend time with you and to put aside time to spend with you. And I pray that for everyone who makes this decision, I know that they will never regret it. Thank you so much for everything. For it's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Hey guys, thank you so much for watching. Listen, if this message blessed you, please be sure to share it with someone whom you love. Share it with a friend, a colleague, anyone. And then also, listen, support us. Support this ministry so that we can be able to make more dope content and be able to spread this message of the kingdom to as many people as possible. And then make sure that you subscribe. Sawa, subscribe. Subscribe, wherever the button, subscribe, subscribe. God bless you guys.